Blog Talk Radio. To do what you're meant to do, what you feel you're meant to do, what your passion is, what you love. Love it, live it, be it. Again, I can't promise success, but you're giving yourself that opportunity. I'm getting down to the sum of this. The sum of that. The sum of everything. Come Other roles, so I just got to do anything. I get to do blonde hair, blue eyed Barbie, and you know, I get to do a Brazilian street fighter, and you know, a Chinese yeah. empress, you know, a black gangster. Like, I get to do all that stuff, and no one really cares what I look How like. How can you tell him that you're going to shit him, then hug him, and he can't say, you know, you're dysfunctional? And it's uh-huh. like, you're the mother hen of hashtags. <laughs> that, that is, is the, the most thing. functional thing I've ever heard, okay? Functional the, on Twitter. The single mother hen of hashtags. <laughs> um, <laughs> I never think about the voice, ever. I do think about the character. I do think about what makes me laugh. And I think the traditions of vaudeville and the 1930s screwball comedies. Can you make a car appear for me? (laughs) I could, but it will be $18,000 market price. (laughs) Yes, I actually have seen a full-body apparition once in my life, and I have seen a... uh, a full shadow person, uh, twice. He just was like, why don't we try it like this? And then, you know, you do blah, 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 and then I'll go, ah! and then, but you keep talking. And I was like, what? And he goes, yeah, yeah, like, I can't get a word out. And I'm like, I get to shut Robin Williams up? That's crazy. Well, number 10, what do you think of the host of Come Get Some? What do you think of me? Oh, <laughs> uh, I think that's too personal a question. I would go on for years after that till I was 12 years old, afraid of the dark, afraid of the sound of music, afraid of everything. Not the movie sound of music, but the sound of horror music. I'm glad you clarified. So, yeah. You know, here's a piece of advice I got from Maria Menounos and Kevin Negaro, who, you know, run AfterBuzz TV, and Maria, of course, on e-television, and she's around for 100 years, and, and <laughs> Kevin Negaro's around for a long time, too. And still years. looks very young, by the way. Oh, my God. Rhea is beautiful. Yes, she is. I had to throw that in just in case, you know, she hears it or something. Go ahead. We're friends. That are basically stupid horror questions. Um, because what really what inspired me was I got a tweet from somebody, a private tweet that said, Hey, Harrison, have you ever seen the MTC series Scream? You should make a movie out of that. And that's it. You know, I could have written to school... You know, shirtless on a unicorn through a field of penises <laughs> with Bruce Valancey balls filling my mouth. Still appeared straighter than I did when I arrived in my first day of first grade. So, you know. Oh, man. So, I guess, look, so looking back, uh, you know, looking back, my, my route to being a comedy writer was sort of, you know, written long, long ago. But I. I... All right, guys, welcome to Come and Get Some, day 100, completely 100% live. I have done I have done both tons of preparation and very little preparation for this show. Uh, I've been doing a lot of reflecting, a lot of thinking. What I opened up with was uh, those first words or the, first, uh, the last things I basically said on the very first episode of Come Get Some, uh, day one. And uh, – and those highlights are all from the first, uh, uh, the first uh, hundred episodes, first ninety-nine episodes. A lot of the highlights of some of the writers, actors, and uh, comedians, and people I've had on this show, and it's been 
it's been a lot of fun, and I really, really enjoyed making those connections. Uh, just to just remind uh, the reason the reason I started this podcast uh, the very, very first time was to see if I could. Um, I just want to I just want to give some props to my boys over at Dead X Radio. Uh, they were a new up and coming podcast, and now they're they're blowing up all over the place. Those guys, and uh, they came locally and did an event. I showed up. They had an extra seat, and I sat in for for nearly two hours co-hosting with no experience, no previous, um, no previous time in front of a microphone like that. And I thought uh, maybe I can do this. And uh, yes, John, I am on the air. Let me just text my buddy back here. But uh, <laughs> the uh, the funny enough, John and uh, Jose, these two guys uh, I work with, were always on my case, constantly saying for for right, over a year, you should do a podcast. And I thought they were playing a joke on me because they were like, "Dude, you talk too much, and you have a lot to say, but you got a quirky personality. You should do it." And uh, between that and the time with DeadX Radio, I said, "Let's try it." DeadX Radio, James Lott Jr. helped me uh, get some stuff set up, and. Uh, and I put this podcast together. And please don't go back and listen to episode one. <laughs> I just listened to episode one the other day, and it was really hard to listen to. But uh, things change, and things get better. And uh, the thing is that, and you get this from episode one, is, and uh, I, I hesitate to talk about this because it makes people question other uh, other uh, agendas. I started it because I've always wanted to entertain people. And I've always liked, uh, you know, Leah Remini was on the show uh, not too long ago, and she she explained this pretty well. Was when you're an entertainer, you do it because you love it. You do it because you love the reaction you get. You know, you want to make people smile and laugh, and you like that you're able to do that through your abilities and through your career. So I was just trying to start a career and and you know get that courage up because I I was afraid to podcast. I didn't think I could do it. And I sure as hell didn't know it was going to be an interview segment where I interview celebrities and, and the like. That was pretty, it's a pretty wild deal for me to have that uh, that experience and to overcome everything, you know, because I was scared and I didn't know how I'd be received. And I did it, and and that was why I said in the beginning, do you know what you love, do what your passion is, and and you just you just gotta you know be it. And uh, one of the smartest things I said on the first episode. Um, but I found uh, not too long in, I started mixing in, I started mixing in a little bit more of a serious content. So what, what I would do is once in a while, I, I'd want to address something because I feel I have the platform and for some reason that I can't understand I felt this need to do more than just be a goofy guy on a podcast. I needed to do more. And that's when I started tackling some more serious topics and, you know, it sounded a little bit like this. Um, there's a big, uh, they all want electricity. They want electrical wire brought through their, uh, their, their area. And there's like thousands of people out in the streets, you know, protesting peacefully and, uh, Explosives killed 60 of them, probably probably more by the time it's over. Uh, so that just happened today, hours ago. 
so, t- so we're, we're recording this on the 23rd uh, on, on Saturday. Um, so they don't care where you are, who you are, what your race is. Uh, how is anybody on, uh, in this country or anywhere else that holds anything against anyone for skin color or religion or anything else? How how do we how do we look ourselves in the mirror and see ourselves any different uh, than those guys? You, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we some of the hardest truth is to see ourselves in other people. You know, see the bad things in other people and realize that that's that's essentially a reflection of ourselves. Um, you know, hate as I think it was either, I think it was Malcolm or Martin Luther King that said, you know, hate cannot drive out hate, only love can drive out hate. And I'm firmly convinced that a lot of these misunderstandings and a lot of these things come from what we get on TV. We, we know about it, Muslim people because of what we're told on the news. We know about black people from what we see on the news or what we see on the um, on the television, but the truth is, until we have them over into our house, until we, um, you know, really ask questions about their lives, and not just like, hey, how's it doing today, Bob, or, you know, whatever, that's when we're going to really kind of get into knowing them and understanding their frustrations and understanding where they come, and for them to understand where we are. Like you said, when, when you talk to some other, like, black people, sometimes they present it in a way that's really hard for us to understand, and it's easy for us to shut off. Like, oh, that's just an angry black guy. Something that you miss that's always there, and you don't notice it until you're able to have a clearer head about it, is there's already people there for you. There's already people who actually don't want to see you kill yourself or, or, or be in this state of mind. Yeah. And... and that's a difficult thing to come to terms with too because when you're in that frame of mind you, you, you basically you feel useless you feel like the planet would be better if you weren't on it and that is not an easy thing to overcome yeah, situation and I think I think with I think with this with my abuser too I don't think that his goal was to kill me I think in that moment maybe if I had stayed with him longer he would have gotten to a point where he wanted to <laughs> I don't know but um his goal wasn't to kill me. His goal was to make me be quiet, to control me. That was his goal, to frighten me and control me, to be what he needed me to be. That was the goal, and that's the goal of a lot. Now, some of them, I mean, they all have different goals, but they all kind of come from the same place of needing to control their, quote, partner. Um, some of them more than others, you know. I've, I've heard stories. He, wanted, he didn't want me dead. I've heard stories, uh, several stories, like, you know, real stories, uh, where the husband kills their wife, and the the way it's explained in the end when they get caught is they didn't think they would have, they didn't think that their wife was going to die. They didn't think their spouse was going to die. They They were trying to scare them. Exactly. uh, Just trying to uh, shut them up, like you said, just trying to stop what's happening, just Mm trying to keep them at bay. And uh, that whole choking thing, that whole suffocating thing, um, mm-hmm. Other than lack of any movement whatsoever, there's no sign that you went too far until you've gone too far. So yeah. it's a, he didn't have to have intent for it to happen. 
So right. so you did get lucky, and uh, that is a concern, I yes, think. I, I don't ever want to excuse that I kind did. of thing. Yeah, I wasn't making, sorry, I wasn't making an excuse. No, I don't think you that. were. My, my, my point is, is that it could happen very easily because a lot of, a lot of these people, especially if they're in a rage, they don't, they, they do know what they're doing because they, if you think about these abusers, and it's the same thing with mine, they have a moment to pause before they act. And if you're in public with them, they won't do it, you know? Um, if you're outside, if there are people around, they won't do it. So they do have the ability to pause. I remember once um, I was in the kitchen and the house that we were living in, and that kitchen had a window that was facing the street in a nice neighborhood, and people could walk by and drive by and see into the house with somebody staring at the kitchen window or whatever. And I was standing at the kitchen window doing dishes or something, and we were fighting, and he got angry with me, and... It was evening, so the light was on in there, and you can see inside. And um, before he threw me to the floor, he took the time to turn out the light first. Mm. So they they know what they're doing, but at the same time, sometimes they don't know that they're going as far as they are. So right. And it can happen so easily. So it's important to get out if you can, which there has to be a way. You yeah. have to have a plan in advance. All right, so that's what that's a small sample. What happened is often in the middle of an interview, like with Heidi, that was Heidi Cox from Dweeb uh, Darlings, the Stockholm LeVar YouTube series. Check it out if you haven't. It's very funny, um, very smartly done. Uh, she talked about in our interview about Stockholm LeVar, about how creating that show saved her life, and this was her story basically. And, of course, uh, that was uh, Jeff from Dead X Radio about suicide and uh, how he overcame it. He gave some helpful advice, and I think I think I'm friends with some people online who may have benefited from that show. And, uh, of course, talked a lot about uh, race, racial imbalances, and uh, homosexuality, bullying, terrorism. It's all come up, and when it does, you know, it's not fun material, but the fact that it's making – a difference for someone. The fact that it means something to me felt much stronger uh, than the comedy material and the uh, uh, the the let's inspire you to get up and and do your dream and live your dream and everything. And that was like the original concept. And I, you can see there was kind of a development here where I, I wanted to do uh, more. And then then Kathy Schenkelberg came along. And uh, from that, after the first episode of Scientology and Aftermath with Amy Scobie and with uh, what also does to her online, smearing her name and everyone else's name, Come Get Some Extra was born. Uh, if you haven't been following my Scientology show in this, uh, in this, this material, you should really hear this. Here it is. Maybe you're forced to say these things? They all know it. Let me just tell you, they all know it. And, and I was... When I when I first opened up the material, if if someone reads and I, I learned this very early on, OT3 was the wall of fire. If someone reads this material that aren't as, as advanced or ready to get this, they could die. They could they could <laughs> seriously. I mean, uh, I think Ron said he broke his back when he was researching OT3. I, I can't remember what tape. It's RG67 or something. Those um, tapes, I've heard them. <laughs> a lot of things. Just yeah. I mean, uh, but the thing is, is um. I had gotten home from uh, being on OT7, and a friend of mine 
was in my kitchen, and she said, hey, and she said, is it true that there's these body thetans and these alien life forms attached to your body, blah, blah, blah. I looked at her, and I said, you got to be freaking kidding me. I'm like, you really think I spent all this money to do that? Seriously? I was trained not to say anything. I made her made her wrong. I basically made her go, what the heck? Come get some extra. If I speak for your followers, and I speak for your ex-followers, and I speak for the curious outsiders looking in, and you remain silent in the shadows and don't let your balls drop enough to come out and say something, then I say, who do you speak for, Mr. Miscavige? Anything on earth that says, don't listen to your mom and dad, don't talk to your mom and dad, that bad. Yeah, Absolutely believed his own bullshit. Now, does that mean he believed it from day one? I don't know. Hubbard reveals to them that he is the Antichrist. Scientology has not helped you. You have helped yourself. Yeah, I'm absolutely positive that happened because I was physically abused in Scientology. We're crossing the line into torture. Do you think there is a rape culture in Scientology? I think that there is a culture in Scientology that children are not children. So, yeah. I remember when he said that uh, Tony Ortega would... I have been talking on mute for 10 minutes. <laughs> Sorry about that. I cut that off. Uh, knowing I had a call coming in, call coming in now, I'm gonna pick it up right now. Hello, you're live on Come Get Some. Who's calling and why? Wow, is this uh, the world famous podcast? Is this John? It is, man. Long time listener, first time caller. How you doing? <laughs> not a lot of first, not a lot of callers of any time in the history of this show. It's usually pre-recorded, but God, man, I haven't talked to you in a while. This is my, this is my ex co-worker, John, and he was one of the people who encouraged me to start a podcast, man. It's his fault, guys. Well, it's all true, and since B isn't here to uh, you know defend himself, I'm going to take absolutely full credit for the entire thing. Um, so again, really I think we had our original his- agreement. Um, it may have been. I, I mean, it was both of us, pretty much. So I, I don't know if you've given the background, but yeah, we used to work together. We uh, worked for a company. Um, we were tech support, so people would call in with their problems, and we'd fix them. And this guy, Krimi here, man, would just never shut up. <laughs> he would always be talking. Even when we weren't on the phone or doing any work or anything, he just wouldn't shut up. So finally, like <laughs> D and I, we decided, man, you need a podcast. You need to, you need some outlet for all these things you have bottled up inside you. So yeah, I think our original agreement was, uh, you know, as a finder's fee, I get ten percent of your income for life. Um, I think that was fair. I think that's still standing. And uh, what's, uh, what's yeah, ten well percent of nothing, John? What is ten percent of nothing? Come on, man. You got some A-list celebrities on this show. You're going to start making money soon. Oh, this isn't about money, man. I'm a, you, you have no idea, man. I'm making an announcement today and uh, about the future <laughs> of Come Get Some right here on day 100. Woo-hoo. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's it's interesting, though. Uh, what, what, 
seriously though, like, did you when you and Jose would follow me, or because you guys would like be over my shoulder, like on the way out the door, on the way to lunch, whatever, saying, "So when are you gonna start the podcast?" And I had I know, Jose like, sending I, me. Go ahead. I almost bought you a podcast starter kit just to kick you in the ass and make sure that you did. I was like, was you would like, do that. Close, like, you would do that. Man. I, I was like, you close. do that. <laughs> you know, Jose sent me the link. Jose sent me the link with the whole setup, like a like a nice wholesale, well priced Amazon. You know, the whole kit, the headset, the microphone, the soundboard, and everything yeah. like that. He was pushing. I know, man. This is true. I, I still think you need a fact check, like a Robin Quivers of sorts. Yeah, I still like the idea of your wife coming in and yelling at you every once in a while. Cause that's just always how I envisioned it. I think she would if I asked her to because she, she's always <laughs> trying to embarrass me. It's perfect. No, I got to tell you, man, The uh, I want to know, honestly, right here on the air live on episode 100. Wasn't there a small part of you hoping it would be a total disaster so you can laugh at me? Come on, Jack. Um, I mean, it's, it's, has it been a total disaster? Is that what you're saying? No, 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 no. I wouldn't even bother opening up the line today. No, I mean, <laughs> no, I mean, um, were you kind of hoping it would be funny to to see me uh, try to do this and, and be awkward? No, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> for sure. I mean, you've always been entertaining just doing whatever you're doing. So, I mean, for you to start a, a podcast and try to, to make it into something, I mean, if it goes big, it goes big. If it fails, it fails. It's going to be entertaining either way. So, from my perspective, it was a right. no-lose situation. You know, like, you know, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm along for the ride, you know? <laughs> you got nothing to lose, exactly. Uh, so, what did you think was but I will happen? say. You've been doing a lot of shows on the Scientology subject. Yeah. And I think uh, I think you've explored that to its fullest from where you're at. I mean, anybody else that comes on is going to say basically the same thing. It's, uh, it's a cult. They do bad things, blah, blah, blah. So to take this to the next level, I really think you need to join the cult of Scientology <laughs> and just be the man on the inside. I think that's you know, what the listeners deserve. I don't know if you heard it yet. I know you're a little bit behind, but I uh, I went to the Orlando Org in person. I was going to go take the personality test and do the and hold the cans and see what the what the hard sell was all about for myself. Yeah, well, what's your fate level? Did you at, man? Well, dude, when I got there, the doors were locked, the lights were out, and there was nobody anywhere near it. It was, it was like you know so, what? So, so, so here's what happened because it's fucking. Well, fake. <laughs> There's nothing there. It's an empty fucking building. Well, it used to be a thriving, uh, thriving establishment there. But there's this uh, rogue podcast that's been on lately that's been <laughs> taking down Scientology. I did, not, <laughs> I did not run out the local org. No, um, totally what, did. They've man. been talking. The, the guys, the the guys, uh, you know, in the know have been talking about. You know Tony Ortega and, and Mike Rinder and all them talk about how there's empty orgs all over the country, and it's supposed to represent like a certain number of of practicing Scientologists in those cities. But uh, I didn't go there to prove it was an empty org. I went there 
to take the personality test and hold the cans. <laughs> so uh, I ended up seeing the other side of it going, oh, my God, these doors. I was there for 15 minutes, like, you know, an hour after it opened, and there was nobody there. There's just mm. nothing, nobody near it. It's a, it's a, a warehouse almost. So that, that was the experience there. So I tried. Right, well, you've beaten Scientology. Now what? How about you do? I've beaten Scientology. Yeah, you tried to tell me you won. It. It was so funny, it was so funny, John, because I talked yesterday about this, and I've been dealing with this all week in my mind um, about whether or not to stop doing my Scientology show. And you're kind of telling me to stop. Um, like I said, I've heard it. I don't think anybody that uh, you're going to have on is going to give you too much of anything new. Um, so I kind of mm. I kind of filter through some of the Scientology uh, episodes now. Okay. Honest feedback. Interesting. That's Love something to keep in mind. Honest feedback. Now you kind of threw me off, man. You kind of you kind of you know. Mm-hmm. Maybe you maybe alter my path. That's what I do. I'm it's trying to guide you to profitability here. I got a 10% stake in this thing, you know. Well, I'm not trying. I'm not trying to be. Pro- There's nothing profitable about this show, John. <laughs> <laughs> That's the last Come time on, I bought you lunch. It depends on you, dude. <laughs> all right, all right. I, I just think I do think I do think the Scientology material is important because it's not like uh, it's not like there's a whole lot of resources. There's a lot more than there ever was. Uh, but it's not like there's a whole lot of people uh, talking about it. You, you do realize why I talk about Scientology, right? Uh, go ahead and say why. Okay. <laughs> Basically, it's because, you know, and I've told this before many times on the show. I don't think you really listen, and I'm really ashamed of you, John. But uh, <laughs> the, the subject of Scientology has come up in a big way multiple times over the years. Like over, I, I go back 10 years to when I first started realizing what it was. And um, and I, I I seen it pop, you know, when South Park did their show. I seen it pop and be a big buzz, and everyone's talking about it. Oh my God, we got to take down this evil cult. And then it dies down. The buzz dies down. You know, going clear comes out and it goes away. The buzz goes big and it it goes away. Uh, the buzz is bigger than ever now with the Lear Remedy show with Scientology in the aftermath. But I don't want to let that buzz die down. What's that? Plus, your podcast is, I mean, really keeping it up there, too. I hope so. I hope so. I, <laughs> I, I want to be able to. So what ends up happening, uh, I end up getting involved. But like, what I've gotten to do is I've gotten to know these people, John. And I don't know about you, but a lot of people think of these people as, as, as silly people who got caught up. And something that they can't imagine they'd ever be caught up in. Uh, I can't believe you're so stupid. And, and it's not like that. And there's a lot of people who were born into it. And there's a lot of different things. Uh, I, I do. I do agree. There is a certain uh, a certain level where you said everything, right? But there's a lot of different angles. Some that haven't been explored or explored enough yet. And I do think when you gather these stories, like recently, mm-hmm. I've had people on like Ann Krasinski and um, Glenda Smith, who haven't spoken before, okay? And they're speaking out. When people think about Scientology, they think about the same four or five people they've been seeing in the last 10 years talk about it. Well, what I'm building up here, what Leia Remini is building up, what people on other podcasts or video shows are, are building up 
are more voices of more people who never spoke out and more people being emboldened to talk. There's an importance to that Scientology show, John. Yeah, I get your point. I hear it. So what happens is so you haven't invested like I have, right? You haven't gotten to know the people, talk to the people personally. So it's hard for you to understand probably. And uh and that's fine. Now be gone. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> now be gone with you. Now, now, if you're listening, if you have it up on your phone and listening uh, on your lunch there after after we're done talking, I'm going to play uh, soon the rest of my Scientology highlights. You should listen. Some of them are pretty deep, and I don't think you've heard them all. And it's, uh, yeah, it's I, just uh, definitely been skipping some been, Scientology episodes. You've been missing some good ones, dude. You've been missing some good ones. And it's not about, you know, hey, you should be listening to the show. It's It's maybe – Maybe you think you know everything you need to know yet, and you're going to find out different. That's all. I, I should be talking to you more about this off the air because because this is the, the reason I do this show or have done this show is people don't get it. You, you know. Hmm. So you, I can you'll, be you'll, enlightened through your podcast, eh? Right. <laughs> That's correct. Be enlightened, John. Be enlightened. <laughs> wow. Who knew? It's important things so, going on in your life for me. <laughs> yes. No, hey, listen, I am proud of you. I mean, you're getting some really good guests. And right. You I, I've been absolutely nothing. That is correct. That is correct. So I'm pretty impressed with uh, how the, the show is going and, and the direction it's heading. All right. Absolutely. Thank you for saying so. And thank you for calling in. It's so awesome. Uh, for my 100th episode, how much better can it get than one of the people who was your first uh, encouragers and, and supporters on getting started on a podcast like this? Thank you. Oh, awesome, man. Like, uh, I feel like I'm a founder in, in some sort of way. Uh, you, you, if there's ever any percentage to give, you get 10%, <laughs> okay? Right here live on the air. We're live. Gotcha. All right. Glad to hear our contract is intact. In all right, John, I'm going to move along to another caller, man. Thank you so much for calling in, buddy. All right, Krimi, we'll hang soon, man. All right, very good. All right, late. You're on the air on Come Get Some. Who is calling? Hey, my name is Jose. Jose, we were just talking and, about uh, you. I was just talking to John. Really? Okay, so what were you guys talking about? He was telling me to stop talking about Scientology. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're becoming a Scientology expert now. I mean, I'm starting to think yeah, that you might got a little be becoming work. one of them. <laughs> See, this is what I'm talking about, man. <laughs> First of all, Jose, thank you for calling in. Thank you for calling in. It means a lot that you call, buddy. Uh, you're, of course, the other half of Jose and John, or the threesome of Jose, John, and Donovan forcing me to do a podcast. Uh, well, let's clarify that. We never had a threesome. <laughs> there was never a threesome. <laughs> Maybe threesome for lunch, for break, whatever. But um, not, not, no. So I was asking, I was asking John. Let me get your answer on this. But when you and John were talking to me about starting a podcast, were you kind of hoping it would be a total disaster so you guys could laugh about it? Be honest. No, I mean honestly, I was hoping. I didn't think you were actually going to do it, but I didn't think so either. 
<laughs> yeah, I didn't think you were going to do it, but I think you needed that push. And I'm happy to see that Like you already, what, is this your 100th episode? Number 100. Number 100. I mean, look at that. I mean, just like a few years ago, you were, this is just like a dream. So I'm, I'm glad that we kind of like, it, it all started as a joke, but we didn't think you were going to do it. But in the end, I'm glad that you did. And, I mean, you've got, like, great content. You've interviewed many celebrities. Um, I mean, and your Twitter following uh, keeps going up. I mean, so that's got to be uh, – we're definitely proud of you, Jimmy. <laughs> okay, I guess. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I don't know how I don't know how caught up you are. I know John was a little bit behind, and, uh, and, and he was kind of down, so I was saying too much Scientology stuff, and I was trying to explain to him that there's a lot more to know. And the, the importance of, of the awareness and of the uh, exposure. What do you think of the Scientology material, Jose? Uh, I find it entertaining just because of how secretive they are. So it is definitely is interesting to me. Uh, is this, yeah, interesting is probably a better and, word than entertaining there, Jose. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I mean, especially with all the stuff that happens with these, some of these people. Um, some, right. you know, some of the horrible things that they go through. Um. Yeah, it definitely um, is an eye opener. Uh, it's kind of scary though too because some of these, I mean, a lot of them, they're just normal, you know, regular, you know, people, and somehow they Thank you. they <laughs> fell for this. Right. So. Right. So you um, see that because there's a lot of people who don't see that, Jose. They think these people are wackos from the get go, and that's not true. No, um, but I think they, you know, Scientology, um, even though they're against it, like, you know, um, was it psychology, right? They're against psychology, yeah. Psychiatry, psychology, yep. yep. So, yeah, so they're, they're kind of using that towards these people and getting them to, you know, to, um, I don't know, get them to follow Scientology and, you know, get them to start. And, uh, um, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm 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 at work right now, so I was I was a little busy. I apologize, uh, <laughs> not like you know, focusing 100 percent on this. Well, but, thank um, you so much. I, for I mean, I'm glad to be on the radio. Yeah, they, is this yeah. your first time calling into any kind of digital audio stream or any radio show? Yeah, it it is. I guess you can. Oh, talk, well, right? I really appreciate that. <laughs> ah, you're fine, man. You're, you're you're coming across fine, dude. Oh, thank you, thank you. So what did John say? I mean, I was I was hoping to have him included in this whole conversation. You know what? If I knew it was you off, offhand, you should have said I'm calling right now. I know you asked, you know, what for the number. I would have kept him on because I, I it looks like I didn't think I could. It looks like I can do two callers at once. So I would you have can. kept him on. Nice. And that was yeah. I didn't know I could because nope. I've, I've never done a live call-in show before. So okay, nice. So we're waiting for number one. Oh, we're, yes, so John. John picked your cherry, and I'm there. I'm just uh, yeah. what is it? Um, Sloppy seconds. Bro. I'm a, I'll be your second. Yeah, nice. <laughs> I'm glad that this yes, is an embryo it. show. I'm I'm glad that you're not you're not doing a live embryo show. Uh, you <laughs> kind of scared me this morning. <laughs> so so I'm driving home this morning. By the way, on two hours sleep. I'm dropping my daughter off at school, and I have John and Jose on a group chat, and I voice chat them. <laughs> are you gonna? Are you guys gonna call in the show today? Because you guys talked about it, 
And it came out on audio chat because I, I guess I have such great diction. Are you going to call the embryo show? <laughs> yeah, I, I thought you this was going to be a world exclusive. You were going to have an actual unborn baby on the line and interview it. But, you know, <laughs> I, I guess we're that would be groundbreaking. Right? <laughs> that would be groundbreaking. <laughs> this is not that kind of groundbreaking show, I guess. Not yet, right? Right, right. <laughs> Does anything else you want to say, Jose? Um, no. Um, I, but I think John is probably calling back. Oh, he's on the line. Oh, hang on. Let's just get you guys together, man. This is a interesting. This this will be fun. Here we go. All right, we're having a threesome now, John. Watch this. Oh well, yeah. Whoa. This show is just gone in a strange, weird line. direction. <laughs> First Scientology, party now threesomes on the spot. Yep. Don't, <laughs> don't get stuck. <laughs> oh, wait. All right. Before this gets all great, man, say something. <laughs> Would you... you guys probably don't want to gang up right on now. Google. What? Chris, just a tip. Just to see how it feels. Just... <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! <laughs> People who are listening have no idea the history here, man. They have no oh, idea. Oh my god! They, you're losing on, Chris. by the minute, man. <laughs> by the minute, by the second. Jose, Saturday Jose. night, man. I'm gonna hijack this and just turn it into our own personal social event. When? Saturday night. Oh, okay. Saturday night. Yeah, rabbit the moon. Where are you going? That's right. Where? What? Uh, Anybody? So if any listeners want to join, join us. We'll be at House of Blues Saturday night. Um, probably around eight eight p.m. till two a.m. You can meet myself and John, and maybe possibly Jeremy. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you we can uh, join. You can join the threesome, or you could add a foursome. Who cares? Yeah. We are making a special guest appearance at the House of Blues. We will be there live. Um, just look for us as one of the uh, one of uh, 500 to 1,000 people in the crowd, and we'll be there. Yeah. That's tomorrow? I'll be the guy. I'll, I'll be the guy wearing Saturday the shirt. night. The guy wearing the shirt. <laughs> anyway, this is in Florida now. This is over there by um, Disney Springs. It used to be downtown Disney. Um if anyone's in Florida and wants to go down there and see that, I don't know if I, I, I can't make it. I got to work, but uh, wow, that's amazing. I hope people, I hope people go meet you. That'd be cool. Hey, you're Chris's friend, but um, no, yeah. I mean, listen, yeah, uh, yeah, we, man, the, it's don't funny, do the majority, the majority you know, of my audience are, guys is like California and England. California and England, wow. eh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're not going to be my audience. There's some Canadians, a good amount of Canadians in there. It just, it, it, that, that just picked up a, a, a good percentage there. Nice. So how many uh, listeners are you at now? Oh, it varies. It varies. Right okay. now, this very second, it's probably two. But, uh... Oh. <laughs> what, Jose and I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My sister well, chimed in with the question. My sister wants to know how I came up with the name Come Get Some. That's a good question. Because um, 
I didn't know what the call. I didn't know if I was going to pull the trigger and get the balls to do a, a podcast. And I was sitting at home and I was coming up with word with with this wordplay. And I was like, you know, come get to the sum of all things because I, I, I so here's the thing. I have very good friends in podcasting, the Dedex Radio guys, uh, Jeff, Chance, Pat, and John, and then there's the um, and then there's a uh, James Lott Jr. from AfterBuzz TV, and they're always telling me pick something that's your passion, pick something that means something to you, and go with that. And I didn't have a specific thing because I'm passionate about a lot of things. So I was like, well, I'll just get to the sum of all things, and it may work, and it kind of worked. And I got lucky, got some pretty good bookings, got some pretty good guests. But yeah, that's how I came up with come get some. I figured, you know, change the word, the spelling of the word sum, and use the sum symbol, and and that's how I came up with the name. In fact, uh, funny thing, when G.K. Bose uh, agreed, she was my first interview, voice actress G.K., uh, I asked her to come on my show. I said, look, I'm starting a show sometime in a couple months. I don't know when or what it's called. Do you want to come on it? (laughs) She said yes. So that's how it all started. Yeah, and then my question is, how are you how are you able to always constantly have this content and like you're you're always you know interviewing people? How, it's hard. How does someone get started like that? Yeah. How how is someone able to um, get someone? You know, like even the, uh, what's what's her name? Leah. I can't remember her last name. Yeah, Remini. But well, let's go back yeah. to that in a second. Um, it, it happens because of uh, um, luck, <laughs> and it happens. Uh, <laughs> Uh, through a lot of rejection, guys, a lot of rejection. There's a lot of people who don't answer. You know, Larry Remini made it clear to me, and I never thought about it because I'm I, I, even a year and a like half in 100 life, episodes. So. What's that? So it's just like the personal life, so it should be used to it. <laughs> a lot of rejection. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, Larry pointed out, like, if it wasn't for what I'm doing with the Scientology content, and uh, we also have a mutual friend, um. I don't think I would have gotten her booked, you know. So that was kind of a that was kind of an amazing one-time thing that I really will always appreciate and will always mean a lot, not just to me, but I think to the to the ex Scientology community. So it was a big it was a big deal that way. So my sister just texted me. You guys know me well. Well, so when, when, you, when you have the past that we have in that uh, crappy job that we were doing, you know, misery loves company. So, I mean, all we did was just kind of rip on each other all day, you know? Yes. No, I definitely agree. Yes, you did. Um, Chris, I've got a question. Why didn't you change the wording for come? Are you trying to be funny? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to crush you in here. <laughs> People play with that a lot. People play with that a lot. But, that's you no, know, it's a much more innocent name than that. Much more. Oh, I've had less innocent shows where I've gone explicit content, and this will probably be explicit content. But uh, no, it, it hasn't. Uh, okay. <laughs> it hasn't been something that I've, I've even given a thought to, dude. Uh, well, I mean, I thought about it when you first told me about the name. I was a little worried about what the concept, what you were actually trying to <laughs> produce there. But now, after, after listening to shows, a few shows, you know, I, I'm, I'm okay now about it. You know. Um, well, I was a little worried in the beginning. Well, <laughs> you think it was going to be like Porn Star Essential or something? Well, I remember well, you were going to uh, interview yeah. with uh, Jenna Jameson. I was never going to interview Jenna Jameson, though. No, no. I actually. 
I, I was able, I, I was able to friend her, incidentally, through the DeadX Radio thing. That was a DeadX Radio thing, not a come get something. Oh, okay. And it did. It, it, it was going to be your first show. We really I don't want to talk about that. What was that? That was going to be your first show. With the, uh, the the live that DJ was not on air. Be, that was not going to be my first show. <laughs> Chris, we, we discussed this like so many times. I mean, <laughs> dude, I know you went ten percent of any earnings, but you you don't get to decide <laughs> the content. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. I'm gonna let you guys go. I gotta move on to other callers, which is a funny thing to hear myself say. So I I do appreciate you guys calling in. It means a lot. No problem. No problem. Thank you for having us on. Absolutely, man. Take care. We'll talk later. All right. Bye. Bye. Hello, you're on Come Get Some Live. Who am I talking to? Hi, Chris. It's Glenda. Glenda, thank you for calling. It's so awesome that you called in. Can you hear me? <laughs> I hear you clear as can be. Absolutely clear. Fabulous. Wow. Uh, so, so this, this is quite strange. Linda Smith. Is it strange? <laughs> so, so it feels weird <laughs> really to come on New Zealand. The... Yeah, you call me from New Zealand. You're actually my most recent guest. Uh, actually, I talked to you yesterday on the air, at least at least. Your your first half of your interview was aired yesterday, so it is kind of like a yeah. weird thing here. We're like we don't have the second part yet, but we're still talking to you. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm doing great, thank you. Yeah, really well. I, I I've so, um been listening to you and the other the other guys talking, and it's like yeah, interesting. Interesting. <laughs> So it's kind of fun in the way that we all know each other, but it's kind of like almost exclusive to everybody else because we know each other. So it was a little bit, it was a little bit uh, yeah, awkward, yeah. I think, for some of the listeners, maybe. But yeah, they're fun guys. They're fun guys. So it's lower. Yeah. What time is it over there in New Zealand? Um, it's ten to five in the morning. Oh my god! And you woke up just to call in here? Very... Yes, I did actually because it mattered. Because it matters. I, I love that. Thank you, Glenda. I really appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. Now, just just on the, the the subject of the content of your podcast and yeah. how you've moved more and more into interviewing um, former Scientologists, and I think that it is very relative to not just Scientology. You know, um, I think Scientology is probably representative of a lot of things that are wrong in the world, you know? Yes. Yes, absolutely. You you, you nailed it right there. Uh, I've said this before, I think. the When I started getting into, because I talked earlier about how I started getting into more serious content, it seemed to be more important to me to talk about the more serious content, terror, extremism, and, uh, and bullying, mm. and... Uh, all these things, uh, abuse, it, it all exists within Scientology, and a lot of it is kind of enabled. So, yeah, yeah it's relevant. Yeah. I mean, it is very relevant. Um, you know, as a former Scientologist myself, the, the Scientology story, if you like, is in so many other people's stories, even though it's not Scientology connected. Like, abuse is abuse. And Scientology has a lot of abuse contained within it. So I really relate to lots of 
you know, people I meet in life who've been in abusive or destructive controlling situations. Um, there's, there's a lot of crossover there. Even though Scientology has its own distinct, unique methods of um, controlling people and the abuse that it, it cleverly dishes out, um, it's not a unique thing in life, unfortunately. I couldn't agree more, Linda. I, I really appreciate you saying that. And, uh, you know, I, I think that, you know, whatever I decide to do with this show, if I'm going to go more Scientology, you know, no offense to my pals and buddies, it, it's just not something for them and, and they choose not to listen. Or they'll listen because they're my friends and they'll figure it out and they'll go, oh, my God, Carmi was right, <laughs> you know. They'll say mm. this is something mm. we need to really think more about. That's my thing. I want to I want to make people like like my buddies over there. I think Jose kind of gets a little more than, than John does, but just get them to see. You know, yeah, you get it's bad call, but do you really get you know just how bad it gets and how bad it can be and the impact it has? Mm. I, I think one of the things that I personally had to um, really come to terms with. I think the hard thing when you've been in a, in a destructive group or, or a destructive relationship, personal relationship, is actually facing that this stuff goes on. And you know, it's very hard initially. Well, I, I found it very hard. And I think a lot of other women, particularly in abusive personal relationships, the first step is admitting it. And in a world that often says, oh, you deserved it. No one, no yeah. one deserves to be abused at any level. Um, that's just the ultimate in disempowerment. And so I feel very strongly about the voices of those that have been in abusive or destructive groups and personal relationships. Um, it is, I did some work with Women's Refuge here in New Zealand. I did some training with them because I'd also been in, a, in a, an abusive personal marriage. And um, in that training, the first thing that we had to get our heads around was, hey, this is abuse. And that's the first step. And I think people in general, um, you know, no, nobody wants to believe this stuff is going on. We, we want to live in a happy, perfect world, our own little perfect world. And it's very difficult for, for all of us to get our heads around this. Um, so Women's Refuge were are very keen on people like me speaking out and saying, hey, there is life after abuse. Is a really good life after abuse. And I think for a person who's been in a destructive group like Scientology, hey, there is life after that. Um, it's a personal thing. You've got to get dust yourself off and, and keep moving forward. But, um, yeah, I feel pretty strongly about these issues. Well, you should, and, and absolutely. And you have a personal – you have your personal experience to go along with that, of course. Yep, unfortunately, yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, if uh, what I would say is anybody who wants to question just how bad this is and how much there is a need uh, to check out last Tuesday's episode, extremeandone.com, uh, com of Lair Remedy Scientology in the aftermath. That was heart wrenching. And uh, yeah, I all I'll say is make sure you've got tissues handy. Um, I found it. Yeah. Just, you know, as, as somebody who, who's followed the Scientology story for, you know, seven, eight years, because I'm a former Scientologist, um, 
you can get a little desensitised, and I don't mean that in a bad sense, but you can, you know, you're just not more abuse coming out of that group, you know, here we go again. But that episode moved me to the core. Um, it just, and I, and I think it's been the same for many of my other friends, former Scientologists. We, we're just, wow, this this is really... Um, yeah, I recommend that episode. If anybody has any doubts or, or you know, avoidance of, hey, Scientology is not that bad, watch that episode. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't know the story exactly how much they've spoken out before talking. To, I think Leah was where they started speaking out. Yeah, I think And then right. there's, yeah. you know, you, you haven't spoken out really before, you know, uh, verbally. Uh, before yesterday, I don't think. Um, way back in 2009, I was approached by a documentary-making team here in New Zealand, and I did appear as very short segments in a <clears throat> documentary here about cults. And it was at that time that Scientology went. They did their legal bullying tactic on me to try and silence mm. me. Um, <clears throat> they threatened to you know, sue me and all that stuff. Um, thankfully, I, the company I was working with gave me a good lawyer and um, we proceeded and I was mm-hmm. able to. So I had spoken out on national TV here. Oh, good. Um, and I've bashed around the internet. Um, but I'd never done any other media simply because I've been very... Um, I've been choosy. <laughs> but for reasons right, I've right. here. But, um, yeah, so when I uh, um, spoke with you, um, yeah, there there was an essence in that conversation, that very first conversation that we had that um, made it a very safe, sensible platform to have a a conversation with you about my experiences. So thank you, you know. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, You know, I think about Anne and you and, and, you know, most recently, here I am at a time where I'm going like, you know, two podcasts and, and everything else is kind of a little bit overwhelming and I got to make these decisions. And I think, you know, you guys, you know, just recently. And, uh, and I think about what happened on aftermath on Tuesday and uh, how many more stories we haven't heard and how many more people who haven't spoken up that can be emboldened to speak up. It was a speak to something John said about how, look, you can only say so much about it. I think there's value in there being, a large number of people saying the same thing. Catalog I th- that. I think that's you know, what take, it, take a record of it. Yeah. That, that's an interesting point, which I have thought about often over the years. Because when you leave a destructive controlling group, you feel very isolated. You feel very, very alone. It's, it's a feeling I can't explain. <laughs> it's like nobody's going to believe me. Um, I'm just going to head to the hills and live the rest of my life quietly, you know, in isolation. Um, so you feel very disconnected from community, disconnected from the real world. And then you discover on the internet that there's other ex-Scientologists all around the world sort of talking or discussing their experiences, and there's a huge amount of comfort in that. But then you want the real world um, actually, a therapist described this to me really well. Um, and he used veterans. He'd actually worked with um, Vietnam veterans in the United States. And 
I was able to articulate to him how alone I felt in the world and that my story didn't matter, that, you know, I just didn't know how to adjust to real life. And he said to me that, you know, he'd worked with these vets over the years and these guys come back and these women come back from this intense experience and there'd been a powerful sense of returning home and not belonging. And it, it, it just rips you apart in ways that, you know, like, it's really hard to describe. And he really, on that day, I think I think I felt like I would be able to integrate, integrate back into the real world more because I knew I wasn't alone. So moving back to what you were saying, there are a lot of former Scientologists. There's probably more former Scientologists that don't speak out than those of us that do. That, that to me, is my observation. I could personally name you 10 people that I could... You know, contact that I know that you've never heard from. No one's ever heard from them. They're just out there, and they've got a hell of a story. They've got families they're no longer able to be in contact with. They've got all sorts of really intense things that happen to them. Um, so there's this kind of disconnection, isolation from the real world, and you just sort of often swallow down the story of what happened, and you never speak out. So a platform like yours. Um, is incredibly valuable on a, on levels that we possibly you know aren't seeing yet. I, I think as the years unfold, I, I suspect in the next five years, as shows like Leah Remini's, which is really making a huge difference. Um, yes. Since her show hit the air late last year, um, it's opened up so many. Con- I mean, I'm, I'm out here in New Zealand, right? And it didn't the air live here. You know, we we got it a couple of months after it showed in the US and blah blah blah. But it opened up so many conversations with people that, whoa, you know, that I was never expecting to have a conversation with this person about my Scientology experience. So it's growing momentum, you know, that, that, that the world does need to know what is going on here so we can collectively do something about it. There's all this abuse. It has to stop. We just have to stop this somehow. And, and the personal, I mean, this is a story of people. It's not a story of, you, you know, 101 other things. It's, it's the personal stories of personal lives. And for people like you and your podcast, it's important. Thank you. Do you feel alone now? No. <laughs> no. no. Um, Many people got your back now, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and I have built a new community around me in the real world. I mean, I have the most amazing yeah. friends, and, um, you know, that took time um, to work out who my tribe were and all this kind of cliche. But, um, no, I, I am very connected to the real world and have a fantastic life now, yeah. I'm happy to hear that. I don't think we actually touched on that in the interview. That's good. That's really good. Well, well yeah, thank so, you for all that. That's really but, awesome. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no, go ahead. Cut you off. No, that that integration, like what's going on inside. You know, everybody's carrying a story. Everybody. You know, you you need another human that's more than twenty years old, and they've got a story, and it's not always all pretty, or, or kind, or sweet, or whatever. Um, and I think the Scientology experience is so isolating mentally. You, you're in this mental prison, and you may look the same as everybody else, um, but there's this huge thing going on inside your head and it it takes time to readjust 
no matter where you were within that structure of Scientology, whether you were up in the higher echelons or in the lower echelons, there's a lot going on. And I think that's synonymous with, with people who've been in any abusive relationship. Um, there's a lot of beating yourself up, why did I let this happen? There's just so much to work through. And um, it takes time to, to step back out into the world with any level of confidence and so forth. So, you know, I personally think that the people that leave Scientology and find their voice are some of the gutsiest people in the world. And I don't say that because of my own story. I say because I know what they're carrying inside. I know, I know what they're having to deal with. And that, that invisible story. So, yeah. I agree, and I, I do appreciate you saying that. It's, uh, that's good stuff right there, Glenda. It's really You're good welcome. stuff. Thank you. Can Thank I you. sleep you, you now? You say so many <laughs> huh? Can you sleep? Yeah. Can I go you to say sleep so many now? things that need to be said. Yeah, you can go to sleep. Thank you so much for calling in, and I really appreciate it. you're so well spoken. You 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 have a good rest, okay? Thank you, and um, thank you for all you do. I appreciate it. You take care. All right. Take care. Bye. That was Glenda Smith. You'll hear part two of her show. No matter what happens, you'll hear part two of her show Friday next week. Uh, uh, amazing lady. Became a big fan of hers real quick. Um, so since we've been talking about that, let's go ahead and let's let's revisit some of the impact of the interviews. Um, you know, I, I didn't get to cover everybody uh, in my highlights. Donna Hare, the UFO experiencer from NASA, who was also there for Apollo 13. Uh, Brian Smith, who was hilarious a couple of weeks ago. Buddy of mine must be the meds on Twitter. Um, a few other people I didn't get to mention, but uh, and also it's going to happen. Same thing's going to happen with the Scientology. I kind of didn't get I didn't get Tony in there, or Aaron and, and Aaron and I had a great conversation. Of course, same thing with Chris Shelton. Uh didn't get all of in uh, Lynn, you know, I, I wish I could get everybody in the highlights, but here's what I have uh for you guys to listen to. Being forced to say these things. They all know it. Let me just tell you, they all know it. And and I was when I when I first opened up the material, if if someone reads and I, I learned this very early on, oh, Sorry, guys. I don't have a way of playing it where I left off. <laughs> I thought I could. So you're going to have to listen to that again. Sorry about that. Are you forced to say these things? They all know it. Let me just tell you, they all know it. And, and I was, when I, when I first opened up the material, if, if someone reads, and I, I learned this very early on, OT3 was the wall of fire. If someone reads this material that aren't as, as advanced or ready to get this, they could die. They could, they could <laughs> seriously. I mean, uh, I think Ron said he broke his back when he was researching OT3. I, I can't remember what tape. It's RG67 or something. Those um, tapes, I've heard them. <laughs> a lot of things just, yeah. I mean, uh, but the thing is, is um, I had gotten home from uh, being on OT7, and a friend of mine was in my kitchen, and she said, hey, and she said, is it true that there's these body thetans and these alien life forms attached to your body, blah, blah, blah? I looked at her and I said, you got to be freaking kidding me. I'm like, you really think I spent all this money to do that? Seriously? I was trained not to say anything. I made her, made her wrong. I basically made her go, what the heck? Come get some extra. If I speak for your followers and I speak for your ex-followers and I speak for the curious outsiders looking in, 
and you remain silent in the shadows and don't let your balls drop enough to come out and say something, then I say, who do you speak for, Mr. Miscavige? Anything on earth that says, don't listen to your mum and dad, don't talk to your mum and dad, that bad, yeah. run. Absolutely believed his own bullshit. Now, does that mean he believed it from day one? I don't know. Hubbard reveals to them that he is the Antichrist. Scientology has not helped you. You have helped yourself. Yes, I'm absolutely positive that happened because I was physically abused in Scientology. We're crossing the line into torture. Do you think there is a rape culture in Scientology? I think that there is a culture in Scientology that children are not children. So, yeah. I remember when he said that uh, Tony Ortega would ruin the day that he, he fair game Monique. I mean, I really didn't even really didn't even know that he was lashing out at, at other people. But the last time I talked to Marty was a text, probably like six months ago, you know, just saying, hey, Marty, I don't know why you won't talk to me. He just said, Bert, just let it go. That's all he said, Bert, just let it go. You know what I'm saying? But I'm a videographer. You know, I'd be like a, a, a news reporter getting taken up by a spaceship and <laughs> being put down back on Earth. Is he going to report on it? Oh, okay. Yeah, nothing, nothing happened. You know <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, but I mean... I don't, I mean, I honestly, I mean, I, I guess I was pretty much shocked when I found out that they had, had dropped the lawsuit because, I mean, I really put my ass on the line. All these terms that, that you're becoming familiar with, um, and hopefully now the population is becoming familiar with through shows like Leah's, um, and they're no fun to deal with, but, you know, they, they just love to bully, and it, it had the opposite effect on me that I think they were expecting. Um, of mm-hmm. course, it scared me, which probably gave them great satisfaction, but I don't like bullies. And so it made me dig my heels in. And I thought, if they can do that to me, um, they're doing that to a lot of people, and so I need to be a resource out there for people who are dealing with this. They made you stronger with it, absolutely. Uh, I, I, I I definitely see where you're coming from. Like, I was never going to do a, sh- a Friday show on Scientology. I was never going to have Rachel Bernstein on my podcast. It was never a thought. <laughs> and then and then I saw what they were doing, and you're like, you know what? It's not, as I said this before the show, it wasn't Leia Remedy or Alex Gibney or Lawrence Wright or Mike Rinder that made me want to come after you guys. It was you guys. <laughs> it, was, it was their actual actions that motivate you to want to help people. And get the voices out there. Now, now, along the lines of what I started with, with when they attack psychiatry, you know, there's also the, mm-hmm. um, I don't know if you know, I, I have had some interactions with somebody who has been speaking on behalf of the CCHR. Uh, the, uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Well, Citizens Commission on Human Rights, which oh. is so ironically titled. Sounds so great in title and name. Um, mm-hmm. One of the things that they and I, I just promised I'm gonna bring up these concerns. So I just want to get your thoughts on these things. Uh, there's a huge claim now in my research, and I admit I'm not the greatest researcher. I'm pretty good, but in my research, I can't find any official, reliable news source that says this. But you can find lots of people saying in relation to Scientology, in relation to other uh, fanaticists mm-hmm. against psychiatry that. 
like 90% of mass murderers were on antidepressants when they killed everybody. And mm-hmm. yeah, you laugh, right? You're you're a professional licensed therapist, and you find that funny because it's kind of a silly thought, right? It's a ridiculous claim. Basis of I'm guessing all the people who've disconnected, all the people's family well, members. Yeah, it's a it is a representation for all the thousands of families that have been broken up by Scientology. Originally, when we were doing the billboard, my wife and I, it was for our kids. We had you know, some pictures of our kids. We were going to do a... We had no other way of getting a hold of them. We tried for some years phoning, going down there. You know, if we went down to their building, security would say, you're not welcome here. They wouldn't allow any message through, whether it was written, phone, or anything. Um, So we decided to do a billboard, and we originally were going to do it for our two kids who are both in the C organization. Uh, One of them works for the uh, author services, which is their... L. Ron Hubbard fiction books. The other, our son works for Celebrity Center in Los Angeles, and they've both been in the Sea Org for about 20 years or more now. So, but we haven't seen them for at least, uh, well, our son for about three years and our daughter longer than that. Um, so anyway, we were putting up the billboard, and we we didn't have enough ourselves to pay for it, so we set up a GoFundMe account, <clears throat> and then. We started to get all these messages from people along with donations about how their family was broken up by Scientology and, um, you know, hadn't seen my son in 23 years. A a 10-year-old girl sent $5 because she lost her sister to Scientology. Uh. I mean, the stories were just so sad that we, we decided to change it up and make it for all the families who have lost uh you know, friends, relatives to Scientology disconnection. David, um, does David ever feel guilty about the uh, about the knowledge report? Um, yeah, and there's a few things he feels really bad about, but you know, the mainly, um, I I think if he could do over it again, do it over again, he would just uh, <coughs> support me from the beginning. Do you use it against him? Do you use it against him in arguments? <laughs> Not yet. I'm saving it. <laughs> saving it for the big one. Okay. <laughs> That's the kind of thing you just spring out of nowhere. You got to have the right argument for that one. <laughs> hey, you wrote a knowledge yeah. report on me. <laughs> Picking my battles. <laughs> oh man. Anything you want to say to Sammy that he might hear that can come straight from your mouth? Well, um, I suppose I would want him. I really know it's really hard to get through um, to what he thinks happened with me but I would really want him to really hear this and understand this that with me it was it's not about the religion I never want to stop him from practicing what he believes it's about the abuses and I would like to kindly beseech him before he throws away the people that love him the most to just do his due diligence and find out what is going on with the church according to other sources and make up his own mind. 
And if he made up his own mind that he wanted to stick with the church and didn't believe the abuses and all these other stories, okay, fine. Then we could agree to disagree. Um, but I would also want him to know that I love him always, always, and the light is always on. He can come home anytime to my hugs and my love. Okay, so here's for Craig. Hi, Craig. I am 99% sure you will never listen to this, but for the 1% chance, here is my message to you. All of us love you and miss you like you cannot believe. Every day, my heart is sore. We had such a great family before, and we still do, but we are missing you. It helps to have two grandchildren now, but I know the day I hear you have children will be a bad day for me. Craig, you have spoken out publicly against us, and even though it hurts to hear what you have said, we know you are being pressured to say these things. Remember back in 2015 the amount of times Dad and I were pleading with you to get back and come even before we were declared. We wanted to meet up with you and discuss things, but you shut us down every time. We tried so very hard. Brett also tried, and at least you would talk to him back in 2015. It gave us hope. But then the next time he tried to talk to you, it was a no-go. You were the one who kicked us out of your life, not the other way around. But we love you so dearly and wish you were with us. You know that our doors are always open no matter what. You are a great person and very smart. So start trying to look instead of listening. Happy birthday for the 26th of April. You will be 27. And the last time I saw you, you were 24. Wow. Sometimes it's so unreal to me. Love you from here to infinity. Wow. Sorry. No, you're fine. Um... One thing that's always been clear to me uh, through talking to Lori Hodgins, uh, I, I didn't get her on the air yet, but I've talked to Lori and Mary Kahn and and others in your situation is that it's never your it was never your choice to do that. It was never your choice to be disconnected, no. and that's that's the big difference. And that's where you have to start looking up at, overhead and say, who are these people telling me to do this and why? And uh, that's really important. I do hope that one percent gets through. I hope somehow, some way, enough people forward this podcast and get it around. So it falls into the hands yeah. of Craig and uh, the rest of your family. I, I hope so too. Let's be clear about this. Scientology says it's a religion. You walk into a church and they'll say, you know, honor Jesus. You walk into a mosque and they'll say, follow the prophet. You walk into a synagogue and they'll say, don't eat bacon sandwiches and marry a nice Jewish <laughs> I'm not an expert on any religion, <laughs> and in particular Judaism, but you, you get the, the yeah. joke. When you walk into the Scientology Center on Tottenham Court Road in London, or in New York, or in L.A., or in uh, Clearwater, no one will tell you that 75 million years ago, a space alien Satan called Lord Sanu brought um, 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 space aliens uh, to the planet Earth and blew them up with hydrogen bombs in volcanoes. And the remains of these pesky dead space alien souls have stuck to us and cause 
chaos and madness and war and inhumanity. And only Scientology can clear you of this space alien dead soul affliction. If I tell anyone this, I may well kill myself because it's too powerful a secret and I may well kill the listener. Uh-huh. I am living proof that Scientology is, in an English phrase, a load of old bollocks. The moment that I laid eyes on my son, we locked eyes, I had, like, my whole life flash before my eyes, just everything. And in that moment, I realized how much my mother loved me. Like, I had never really known how yeah. much until that exact moment. And I just started crying, and I felt so much love for someone that I had never, you know, I'd been in love a, a few times and I had never felt this type of love for another human. And that on its own, that connection that immediately happened with my son was something that was so important that no matter what was happening in my mind, I was like, no, like I just go away from me, bad thoughts. I have this baby and he needs me, and I have to, like, be present for him. And so because of, because of him, I know that I'm here today to talk to you. Um, and if I hadn't had him, I don't know, honestly, I can't imagine the scenario where I would still be here. You tried to, you tried to, um, to, to end your life while you are in Scientology because you felt like there was, there was no other place to go and that right. you were the, the dirtest, the lowest of the dirt. And that stayed with you so long that it took until the birth of your son to give up those thoughts. Is that what you were saying? Yeah. Basically, it took that was that was three years of time in between those two things. I think we've spoken about this before, and I'm so adamant about this. I will not let Scientology define who I am. I'm going to sit there and take what I went through to better the person that I am because I can't regret everything that happened to me. That's not a good way to live. I have to take it and make sure that I do, you know, become the best parent that I can be or the best psychologist or, you know, whatever I choose to do. But I will never let Scientology define me. Let's talk about that since you brought it up. Um, You um, you were... (laughs) beaten up pretty badly by uh what was her name Dominique the governess there she she um she went after you Dominique and Heather did yeah I was uh I think I was 11 it was in the time period of 10 to 12 I'm pretty sure it was like 10 or 11 um I was on the second floor of the house and there were some kids in the shower and they were being loud and Dominique did not like me had never liked me cuz I was very mouthy And she yelled up the stairs, you know, to shut up. And my response, and I didn't think it out because I wouldn't have said it, was to make me shut up. And as soon as I said it, I heard her start running up the side stairs. And then I heard Heather, who was our other governess or cadet coordinator, coming up the main stairs. And I ran because we had a trap door, like a ladder and a trap door that you could get into a room up there and then get on the roof. And once you got on the roof, they weren't, you know, they weren't nimble enough to kind of traverse it the way we did. And um, the trap door was locked. 
so they pulled me off the ladder and, you know, they got me in a corner and were punching and kicking me. And then after that, they dragged me through the house by my hair. The main stairs were like 40, 40 steps. And Dominique threw me down head first. And I either dislocated or popped my shoulder out. I messed up my knee. I still can't hear right in one of my ears. Um, and then after that, they threw me outside the house. It was really cold. And they locked all the doors so that I couldn't get in. So. You were locked outside? How long were you outside it was for? Free. I was outside for a few hours until people started coming. And I went and got in the laundry room and I just got into a dryer. It's hid. I was in bare feet. It was freezing. And to this day, I still have panic attacks if I get too cold. Is that, is that the worst so. beating they ever gave a kid there at, at um, Estonians? I think so. I ask you that when I'm watching Aftermath uh, through season one, I've seen the look on your face. Yeah. You know, I don't care if you're an actress. These are legitimate looks of shock and, and, and amazement. You're still shocked by these stories. Still shocked. Still shocked. Because remember, the enemies of the church, in my view, were not people like me, not people like my mother or Mary Kahn, or Amy Scobie, or Melissa's of the world. You know what I'm saying? We never thought like they, they, that it was talking about people like us. It was these bad demon people. Yeah. It was demon people who didn't want good things in the world, who didn't want peace, who didn't want harmony, who didn't want people to be off drugs, who didn't want to save people's marriages. You know, these are the people that I thought were the evil ones we were talking about in these policies of attack and never defend, right? Right. That's the church policy, is attack and never defend. And so, it, it, yes, I'm still shocked by it. I'm still shocked by the evil. I, 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 yes, even to this day. When I see a video of a former friend or family member, I'm like, this is pure evil at work. <laughs> This is what you're doing with your time? So that was kind of a big deal to have Leah Remini on, and uh, it, it didn't feel like – it really didn't actually feel like a big deal, like, oh, cool, you got a big star on your podcast, like I thought it would. It felt good. It felt great because the feeling was I, I did something so good, something so important that she came on my show, and it wouldn't have happened otherwise. Um. So, you know, keeping in mind what you've all just heard and what the conversations have been today, you know, I've had conversations with friends and family like I had with John earlier about maybe it's time to move on. And um, I've had a conversation with a family member that said this is – there's nothing good about it. It's so depressing. It's so negative. Why why do a show like that? But it's it's, – I don't think it's negative i think it's helping people i think it's making people empowered and it's getting voices out and it's it's giving people a chance to 
bring families together or to at least find justice of some kind and at the very least some kind of closure. So as of Tuesday afternoon, this is Tuesday now, I decided that I was going to uh, put this entire show, come get some, and come get some extra on hiatus indefinitely until I figure this shit out. And maybe do my regular show, go back to maybe get set up with a, the right people and try to get uh, do better booking of celebrities or something. Push what I originally started this podcast for. And then I watched Scientology in the Aftermath on Tuesday. And much like uh, when Amy Scobie was on the year season before, and and uh, watching that, I, I my mind just starts spinning. <laughs> how can I? How can I? How can I? stop how can I stop so um, that very night a few hours after watching the show I talked to a buddy of mine that's known me for like 12 years and uh, and uh, props to Sam for, for pointing this out he, he's known me in times when I've had to stand up against my own challenges and he's known me at times he said dude every time every time I talk to you like, we don't live close to each other anymore so we don't talk as much it's like every time I talk to you, you're trying to, you're complaining about some injustice and you want to fight some kind of injustice and fix something. And, uh, and, uh, he was right. He says, you know, maybe, and this part was hard to hear at 43 years old. He's like, you know, maybe you were supposed to be doing something else. I don't know. I still have my career goals and plans, but he's right. He's right. I had a friend tell me recently, if you're feeling overwhelmed by this topic, you know, if you feel like you, you shouldn't be doing it and you shouldn't be doing it, run. You know, who, who, who doesn't have to do it? Who wants to be involved in this shit? That's what they said. And uh, knowing the people I know and hearing the things I hear, I said this last week, you know, um, seeing Aftermath on Tuesday. And I know nobody's wired the same, right? No two people are wired alike. This is how I'm wired. I, I don't see how any decent human being can see what's happening and have this platform and not want to do something about it. So uh, here's what's going to happen. Come get some and come get some extra is definitely going on hiatus. Um Next week, Thursday, you'll hear from Terry Evans. He's a cyber sleuth investigator. I think there's a lot of friends I have in social media who will benefit or will appreciate that interview. He's a great guy. He's got a, great, a lot of great information on cyber attacks and, and getting you know, um, fleeced online and scammed. And then on Friday of next week, of course, Glenda Part 2. Um, but when it comes back, which won't be too long. I'm not going to wait very long. Uh, I got some things to sort out, some things to figure out. But this is a Scientology show. This is an anti-Scientology show. An anti-abuse show, anti-anything that's hurting anybody's show. It's not my career. It's not my career path. It's not something I make money doing, and it's not my job. 
And after Scientology goes down and there's nothing left to talk about, I'll move on to the next whatever it is because because this is what I do. And I don't do it for any other reason except because this is who I am. And uh, when it comes back, it's going to be only Scientology uh, for now. You know, It's going to be only come get some extra. I already have a bucket list interview booked for September. Um, fuck it, man. I'm not going anywhere. Um, not into these assholes. Fucking go down. There's more stories to tell. There's more people. There's more people to tell their stories, and there's more so much more to be done and it's not done yet so there you have it that's all I got for today thank you for joining me for 100 episodes or for the very least thank you for joining me for the 100th episode and um, I appreciate all the support I've ever had every listener if you're a listener who only cared about the old content before Scientology I'm sorry give this a try maybe you'll appreciate it but uh, for now stay connected and that about sums it up. Speak for your followers, and I speak for your ex-followers, and I speak for the curious outsiders looking in. And you remain silent in the shadows and don't let your balls drop enough to come out and say something? Then I say, who do you speak for, Mr. Miscavige? Anything on earth that says, don't listen to your mum and dad, don't talk to your mum and dad, that bad. Yeah, wrong. Absolutely believed his own bullshit. Now, does that mean he believed it from day one? I don't know. Hubbard reveals to them that he is the Antichrist. Scientology has not helped you. You have helped yourself. Yes, I'm absolutely positive that happened because I was physically abused in Scientology. We're crossing the line into torture. Do you think there is a rape culture in Scientology? I think that there is a culture in Scientology that children are not children. So, yeah.